Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Imagine This. I'm Trent. I'm Brashina. And I'm Mackenzie. And today we are talking about mental health. Uh, if you don't know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so the three of us wanted to take an episode to discuss some of our favorite plays related to mental health. Um, we do this podcast and we do theater because we believe that theater starts conversations about things that matter. And mental health is certainly a conversation that matters very deeply. And it's a really, it's a broad conversation. It encompasses a lot of things. And yet it's something that I would still argue we don't talk about nearly enough. So we are excited to share with you some of these plays and why we think that they're important and contribute to this conversation. Um, but before we get into the plays, um, Brishina has something that we wanted to read to you just kind of about this month and resources that are available for people who, well, I hesitate to even say people who struggle with mental health because I think that's all of us. Mm -hmm. I Yeah, so let's read the thing. Um, mental Health, health Awareness Month. Mental Health Awareness Month, this is from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mental Health Awareness Month has been observed in the U.S. since 1949. Every year during the month of May, NAMI joins the national movement to raise awareness about mental health. Together, we fight stigma, provide support, educate the public, and advocate for policies that support the millions of people in the U.S. affected by mental illness. And then it has um, where you can read below to see some of the things um, to do to get involved this month. Um, not only do they have resources for this month in particular, they just have resources about mental illness in general. They have warning signs. Um, it, they have treatments. And if you need to like research people in your area to help you with your mental health, they have that as well on their website. It's a really good website to visit, and that is the National Alliance on Mental Health. Um, they have some really great resources, so check them out. Even if you're not struggling, I think we should all be involved in like mental health awareness because anyone at any point in time could need it. So 
Yeah, and just to clarify, Brashina was reading from the Department of Mental Illness, but we're not saying that everyone is mentally ill, but we're mm-hmm. saying that mental health affects all of us, right? Mm-hmm. So there are so, so many people with diagnosable mental illness, and that can range from anxiety disorders to depression to bipolar to a variety of different things that really affect people's everyday lives and the lives of those around them who care about them but at a larger scale mental health is important for all of us to consider because all of us have life events that happen all of us have periods of emotional lows and just because you're not diagnosed with depression does not mean that you don't have a depressive episode just because you don't have an anxiety disorder does not mean that you don't sometimes suffer from anxiety right and so I want to draw a distinction between these two things because I think that's part of unpacking the stigma that Brashina brought up in that thing that she read because I feel like the stigma is well I am not depressed because I don't have depression and that's not actually how brains work so I hate to to break it to you but likely in your life you've experienced something that caused you to be depressed and that doesn't mean that you need to be diagnosed with depression but it means that your mental health matters and that we should talk about it more mental health is literally just the same as physical health um it's something that you do have to work on even when everything is working you should still be checking in with your doctor um you know doing exercises that make you feel mentally healthy um eating food that makes you feel mentally healthy like it's it's really part of that like holistic taking care of your body type of treatment that people are trying to get back to right now so it's it's a thing. You should always be concerned about mental health and, you know, take care of yourself. That's what we're saying. So. And, oh, mm, no, uh, go ahead, Mackenzie. Mm, sorry. <laughs> um, and you should never be afraid to, like, ask for help because sometimes we all we all need help. Amen. And I would go a step further to say that, like, asking for help could mean a friend. It can also mean a professional. Mm-hmm. Needing help from a professional doesn't make you less than those who don't need help from a professional. We just all need help in different capacities at different times in life. And someone needing help from a friend is really the same as someone needing help from a professional. It just looks like different things at different times for different people. Help is help and everyone should have it. Yeah. Agreed. So now we're going to talk about some of our favorite plays, just some plays. Some of our favorite plays related to this topic, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Mackenzie, why don't you kick us off with one of the ones that you wanted to talk about today? Oh my goodness. Okay, so I wanted to talk about a play um, called Hookman by Lauren Yee. Um, And this play particularly appeals to me because it is about um, young women and coming to terms with... um, grief and trauma and um just growing up and all of that I think so I think that that's like it's particularly like relevant to me as a young woman but like also I think it's pretty poignant for a lot of the people and a lot of our listeners also um and so I guess I should just read the summary of the play from Concord Theatricals um 
Freshman year at college is hard when your roommate is weird, you're feeling homesick, and a hook-handed serial killer is slashing girls' throats. But if Lexi can discover what really happened to her high school best friend on that car ride to the movies, everything will be okay. In this existential slasher comedy, Lexi and her friends learn what it means to grow up, and it's not pretty. Um, so as you can tell, it's not super what you thought it was going to be. Um, you know, an existential slasher comedy is not exactly the first genre that comes to mind when you think about plays that involve adolescence and mental health. Um, but I think that, and I'm really not going to spoil anything, I promise, but I, I think what the lens of it being like a slasher comedy allows it to do is to actually like communicate a really important deep message and to like really explore like different levels of trauma. Um, and the the mental health um, struggles that come along with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it does a really good job of looking at the way in which grief and trauma specifically affect mental health. Um, there's a specific event, events, plural, if you count the kind of comedic slasher component, but there yeah. are events that, cause specific trauma to some of the characters that affect their mental health, but then which they have to grieve. Like when there's a traumatic experience, you're grieving loss. Mm -hmm. There is a loss of something when there is a traumatic event. It can be a loss of a person. It can be a loss of a feeling of safety. It can be a loss of innocence. It can be a loss of a lot of things, but there's loss that's being grieved when there's trauma. The play also though talks about like a more general grief, this grief of growing up, of entering into the world that is not what you thought it would be. And being adult is shockingly not just a fun and games. And so there's this general grief that's discussed that also affects mental health. Being a young adult is stressful and it, the play does a really good job of touching on both of those ends of the spectrum and the way that grief, whether general or specific really has an impact on a person and their overall well-being. Yeah. I think it's also really important that it's a story that focuses on women growing up. Like we have mm -hmm. so many stories about like men, even if we're not talking about it as mental health, we have a lot of stories of like their growing up and dealing with adolescence and that like catapulting being catapulted into adulthood and what that means for them. Like, um, like, we have the story of Death of a Salesman, which even explores that, like, very later into life, like, that sort of thing. Um, and so I, th I think it's really encouraging to, like, have a story that explores that early for young women because mental health plays are, plays about mental health are not only rare, but then to, like, have different intersections of them is extremely rare, too. So that's, that's cool. Um, one play that I wanted to bring to the table is called World Builders. Um, it is a fantastic play that really puts mental illness specifically in a light that is not only negative, which I really love. Um, it deals with two people that have a very particular mental health, mental illness, and they are in a clinical drug trial. 
And it's called World Builders because both of them have this really rich inner world. They've built this entire world in their heads, but it leads to lots of problems in their everyday ability to function because they're so invested in this inner world that nothing that's actually real matters to them. They think that the world inside of themselves is more real than the world outside of themselves, which causes a lot of pretty obvious problems in terms of relationships and employment and fill in the blank. So they're in this drug trial. But what is happening is they're feeling these worlds that they've invested so much time in start to disappear before their eyes as the drugs start to work. And so it's a really lovely story that is that does not shy away from illustrating the perils of this mental illness and the negative impact that it's had on their lives and their families. But it also illustrates that there is beauty even in the midst of this mental illness. There's something really rich and interesting and wonderful about these inner lives that they have. And there is good reason that they are mourning the loss of these inner worlds because there's something really poignant therein. And so I like that the play doesn't just focus on the negative, but actually highlights the fact that mental illness has a beauty of its own, that there's something to be learned from people whose brains function differently. Not to say that it doesn't need medicated. The play very much argues that they do need this medication. However, it's not only something to be fixed. It's also something to be valued and learned from. And I absolutely love that. What I really like about World Builders is that to me, it's a play about empathy more than anything else. Um, Because being, sometimes you cannot understand why somebody wouldn't want to seek treatment for a mental illness or, and, you know, sometimes it is shame, like that is a lot of it, but sometimes it is just, I don't want to let go of this world and this is why and it helps you to empathize and understand like okay maybe there is a like happy medium maybe we can find something that doesn't necessarily take away everything but that reminds you to take care of yourself like the play is very much focused on the two people who actually are dealing with a mental illness rather than the people around them which sometimes plays that are trying to um, work with mental illness focus more on the people around them who are affected by their mental illness. Um, And so I, I love that this play is centered on those two people and that we just hear from them. Um, And it makes you understand and empathize in a way that makes sense where you're like, I, I totally understand, but you got to take care of yourself. (laughs) Like I just need you to be okay. I haven't read this play. Don't look at me. I mean, it's on my list, but I haven't read this play. Um, But it just, it sounds like um, a really unique take on um, an aspect of mental health that isn't always discussed in in the foreground of like concerns or just conversations about it. Um, So I think it's, it's, it sounds very um, intriguing, like for that 
for many reasons, but that one being a, a primary one. Yeah. yeah. Regina, <laughs> what's what's your pick? <laughs> Mine is next to normal. Now I will I will preface this by saying this is not one of my favorite plays. Um I think that it's very interesting. Um and it's a musical that deals with mental illness which I is I love this musical even more rare <laughs> um so I'll read the description from uh Musical Theater International Next to Normal explores how one suburban household copes with crisis and mental illness Dad's an architect mom rushes to pack lunches and pour cereal their daughter and son are bright wisecracking teens appearing to be a typical American family and yet their lives are anything but normal because the mother has been battling bipolar disorder for 16 years. Next to Normal takes audiences into the minds and hearts of each character presenting their family's story with love, sympathy, and heart. So I, I chose Next to Normal because it is so unique. Um, a, a literal musical that is just about this mom who's battling bipolar disorder. Um, and hers is to the point where she does see things. Um, and that's a huge plot point in the play um, because it does, like this play deals, this play is very dark. It deals with a lot of like very intense mental health issues, um, including, including um, you know, seeing things, um, having suicidal ideation, suicide, and trigger warning for anybody who's thinking of looking into this. This deals with some very heavy subjects. Um, I would read a, a summary before you actually read the play if you have trouble with those things. Um, and I was first introduced to it in college. I loved the idea that we have a musical like this and that it's so accessible. Um, and Next to Normal is actually a three-time Tony winner. It is hugely popular. Um, and it focuses on this family and like what they're dealing with. Um, I, I really like that aspect of it it's not my favorite musical for many reasons because it's so dark it's very hard for me to like parse through that subject matter casually and so whenever I revisit the play I have to like put myself in a place where I can actually like deal with the subjects and things that are there um, because there's a very like pointed um, part in the musical where they talk about like taking um taking a life and death and that sort of thing. And so it's a, it's, ugh, it deals with so many hard subjects. It's like really heartbreaking. I cried the first time I, I like listened through the soundtrack the full, the first time because I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, and recently, if you watch Riverdale, they did an episode about Next to Normal where they did all of the songs from it or most of the songs from it. Um, that again was like taking everything completely out of context, but also giving it a little like still made sense. That was honestly the episode I thought made the most sense with the musical. Um, but it's a really interesting, yeah. really interesting musical. <laughs>
Next to Normal is really cool in that it's not just about the person who suffers from mental illness, but really like the effect that it has on her family. Mm -hmm. That's what I think it does a really good job of is that no one suffers in a bubble, Mm -hmm. right? Things don't happen in a vacuum. And so it really does a good job of pointing to the ways in which all these other lives are affected by mental illness. Mm -hmm. And it, I think that this is it's particularly interesting because mental illness appears differently in different people. And so for this character, it was brought on by a traumatic experience. So it was in a, in her adulthood that she started suffering from bipolar disorder. And I think that that's the second important thing to discuss because I think that so often people view mental illness as something that either exists or doesn't, but it's also that something that can not exist and then can, right? Like you, this person who this family knew who her husband knew, and then she seems like almost someone else entirely, even though she's still the same person, Right. And so it it is heavy, but it's so poignant. I've actually directed a production of Next to Normal, and it is one of my favorite musicals I've ever directed. It is just lovely on so many levels. The characters are so well crafted. All of them are whole people, whole broken people, and it's just really, really good. Um, I think there's just something about like a family dynamic on stage um, that is just like inherently powerful. And I'm okay. This is the only time I'll say this, only time I'll ever say this, but I like Arthur Miller wrote a lot of family dynamics. I don't, I don't love Arthur Miller. I think the world knows that, but like he did write family dynamics and he really, he did write families struggling very, very realistically and very well. And, and so I think that this is, it's 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 a more modern obviously but i i just think that it's like a very very heartfelt relatable take on a family that is struggling um and how trauma and mental health can affect a family unit which is something that i think is incredibly relatable for many 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 people yeah I, I love also that for Next to Normal, all of the songs are basically monologues, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few group numbers where they like actually come together. And then at the end, like there's a big group number where they actually come together. But for a lot of the show, it is each person singing about what they're dealing with in a lot of ways. And that's how you really understand the family dynamic a lot of the time in the show. Um, The daughter sings about like really wanting her mom to see her um, and just like pay attention to her. Like, you know, she knows that she's dealing with something, but like I'm doing things and I need your help. And, you know, like uh, the mom sings about how hard it is for her to just sometimes function during the day like this is very difficult for me and the dad is talking about how it's hard for him to like see his family so scattered in this way and the brother wants a very like specific type of attention which like if you know the end of the play then you know why um but it's it's very interesting to like see all of them be very individualistic and then come together I think it also at its heart is about community 
Um, and that that is how we combat mental illness and help to keep each other mentally healthy is by being in community with one another. So it's it's a good show. You know, if you have some time and you're feeling like some you feel like crying, <laughs> it's a beautiful show, but it is, it is kind of heavy. And then Mackenzie, did you have like a, a bonus play is like a fourth one to talk about? This is news to me. No, you're the one that brought it up. Dog sees God. Oh, yeah. Oh! She oh. just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally forgot. I I said this before. I think, Trent, I, I think this God, this one has to be you. Well, you thought like of it, so play. you introduce it, and then I'll no, talk some more about I literally it. haven't read this one in a very, very long time. Okay. The premise of this one, I forgot who wrote it. I'm so sorry. Somebody please remember the playwright. Um, um, it is kind of like a very mature spoof on the classic american um the 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 peanuts uh like charlie brown and all that yes um dog sees god confessions of a teenage blockhead um an unauthorized continuation the play reimagines characters from the popular comic strip peanuts as degenerate teenagers (laughs) i love that description Mm -hmm. um yeah. So why why did you bring this one up in relationship to mental health, though, Mackenzie? Yeah, because so Charlie Brown, who I forget, I forget what he's called in the play, something like that. Um, is CB. yeah, um, big time, big time struggling with mental health issues. Um, and I, 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 this is an incredibly vulnerable take on mental health, um, especially for the actor who takes on that role. Um, and I, I think it's just like it's like a fascinating exploration and humanization of this like classic um, comic strip that like usually we're like, oh, these characters are just so like do just like existing in this perfect Americana. Um, but it's a very realistic, brought way forward in time modernization of something that like we would consider to be like quite nostalgic back in the States. Um, and something that is honestly like quite precious to us, I think. Um, so it's it's yeah it's it's a fascinating read um there's a lot of content warnings and language warnings um but if you're up for the challenge um it's quite fascinating yeah i really i love this play i think that it deals with issues of depression really well issues of anxiety really well and i think that it forces us to ask a lot of really important questions you know to Mackenzie's point it deals with you know these characters who are beloved by so many because they're stuck in this idyllic childhood nostalgia and yet when you rewatch some of the peanut stuff like my and my it, it's funny because I watched this happen with my mom specifically you know we would re we would watch like Charlie Brown Christmas special or whatever and she'd be like wow I don't remember them being so mean to Charlie uh-huh. Brown mm-hmm. you know because like when she was growing up she like wasn't thinking about that but then she rewatched it and as a mom and she was like they are horrible yeah. and so I I think that there's this really interesting thing where it's so easy to idealize things 
it's so easy to paint in broad brush strokes this perfect little American life and all these little friends running around their little neighborhood. But like in the cartoon, you're not getting really much of a window into what is life like at home. You're not getting a window into, well, why are they so mean to Charlie Brown? You know, like you're not you're not getting the full picture. And so then this play comes along and it fast forwards probably 10 years from when the cartoon is happening. Maybe not that many. They're like in high school, though. Right. Mm -hmm. And suddenly all of those things that you never got to see are coming to a really horrific head. And there's a character struggling with sexuality and there's a character struggling with self-image and there's a character, you know, there's, there are issues of depression and there are issues there. It's, it's like we're in real life now and were any of them prepared for it? Well, not really, you know? And so it's this really interesting exploration of, I think what, what, is required to prepare people for what's next because when we idealize things and put people in boxes we end up with characters like in this play and so and so how do you support people once they're there how do you prevent it from getting there because some of them are in really drastic in really situations in very dire straits. So it forces us to ask kind of as a society, how do we head those things off? Because I think it really points to the fact that like we're failing our children in so many ways, like at large, right? Like you, there's, there shouldn't be a play that has this many teenagers dealing with this many things and it feel real. And they're like, that's the sad part. There are no adults in this play. Mm Mm-mm. None whatsoever. Like, they're gone. I think there is one instance where they're talking to a parent, I say, with quotation marks. And what you hear is the same noise that you hear on the cartoon. Like, the wom, 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 wom noise. Um, Where, like, the kids are like, eh, whatever. Sort of thing. So, it's very interesting. But, yeah. I, I read this play after I graduated from college. I did a... Um, I stage managed a production of it and um, it's, it's so interesting. Um, I, I first off love reimaginings of different things. Um, I think it's very interesting uh, to reimagine something that is from our childhood in a way that we probably wouldn't have expected it. Um, Like Trent was saying, it's an idealized version and then to like see it actually like collide with reality Sometimes we'll do something very interesting for the audience um, where it makes you really pay attention to some of the things that you were absorbing as a kid. Um, And so this um, Dog Sees God is very interesting because it starts off with the the death of, it just says CB is missing his dog, which we can infer is Snoopy. Um, And like that is something that really does hit hard because like when you are, a little kid with a dog, like if you start off with a puppy that's around your age at like four, by the time you get to high school, the dog is like getting close to that time. And like sometimes we are experiencing that thing. Um, And so like it really puts it in perspective where you're like, oh yeah, I had to deal with that. And that made me do these things. And, you know, people couldn't really understand why I was so upset. And, 
you know, I was also just angry because I was a teenager and didn't know how to express myself. Like it brings up a lot of those things. I think when you see it and they're all of the children in this show, I think what's very interesting is that only one of the teenagers who's in this show actually has a diagnosed mental illness and she's in a treatment facility because she did something that she shouldn't have. Um, but all of them are dealing with something that could be labeled mental illness. Something else that like um, is very interesting about this play is that children sometimes are not allowed to be diagnosed with certain mental illnesses um, until they turn 18 because um, some, some doctors believe that they like their hormones are messing with the presentation of some of these things. So like, um, a lot of children don't get diagnosed until they hit that 18 year old mark or until they get to college, that sort of thing. And then they like, okay, I was dealing with this and now I understand. Um, and so like, I think it's very interesting for this play to only have one person who's actually been diagnosed with mental illness and to see that like, that's such an extreme that that's why none of the kids want to seek help because there's such an extreme there that they'd be like, no, no, I don't want them to lock me up too, even though what they may be dealing with is very different. So it's a very interesting play. I think it's, I like, I like this one. I like reading this one. It always brings something new every time I read it. Um, It's by Bert V. Royal, by the way, in case you wanted to look it up. Yeah. Well, that was cool. <laughs> and I, the th I'm sure there are others out there. It's one of those things where there are, in some ways, shockingly few plays that do this really well. Or explicitly. Yeah, explicitly yeah. is a better way to say it, probably. The, like, that's the main thing they're trying to tackle. Mm -hmm. um, but there are others out there. These are a few of our personal favorites that we've read and or worked on. Um, but theater is a wide world of material. And so if this is something that you're passionate about or interested, we encourage you to do a deeper dive on it. Um, but this was our opportunity to take a little bit to talk about something that we think is of really vital importance. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about it enough at large. And so in theater spaces, we should talk about it all the more because what is theater if not to talk about hard things that we should be talking about more often in general. And so, you know, today we've shared some plays that deal with issues of growing up and grief and trauma and true mental illness, like bipolar disorder and, um, narcissistic personality disorders and different things that occur in real life mm -hmm. and theater ought to be a reflection of real life, whether we wish it were real or not. And so we encourage you to care for your own mental health, to pay attention to the mental health of those around you and to do work that points to these really important issues. If you want to learn more, um, uh, I lost the link. Rashina, what was the link? It is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Yes. There are resources there if you or a loved one is struggling. And remember, it, there is no shame in asking for help if you need it. But if you are interested in learning more about 
us and hearing more of our podcasts, you can find us on Instagram at Imagine This Theater Pod, theater with an R-E, or at Wild Imaginings Waco, or at wildimaginingswaco.com, or through our wonderful producers, Rogue Media Networks. And thank you for joining us in this conversation. We wish all of you the best mental health that you can muster. Thank you for joining us to Imagine This. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Thank you.